0: Good day, Crime Talk aficionados. My name is Scott Reich and this is Crime Talk. Thanks for watching. We have a great show for you today, so let's take a look at the preview of the docket. First, did the Boulder Police Department screw up a missing kid report? John Ramsey, John Bene's older brother, seems to think so and is letting the world know. Second, another arrest in the Singh case in Merced, California. Daryl Brooks apologizes for his conduct in court, at least he's maybe listening to somebody now. What do you do with a guy who is in prison and is still committing crime on the outside? An act of violence that killed an innocent woman? But don't worry, they were just kids. And then finally, our dumb criminal of the day. And wait until you hear what this individual did. Let's talk about it. Good day, Crime Talk aficionados. That's right, we are back in the Crime Talk studios this week. Thanks for joining us. You know the drill before we start. Subscribe if you have not, hit the like button if you do in fact like the video, leave me a comment about what we talked about in the comments and hit that little bell for notifications when we go live or we put up new content. Let's go ahead and open the docket for Monday, October 10th, 2022. twenty-two. First. The brother of murdered John Benet Ramsey has slammed the Boulder police for having a lack of passion while searching for a teenage girl who vanished from a school football game, claiming they are showing the same apathy as they did towards his sister's case. Now, Chloe Campbell, who was 14, disappeared on September 30th after being spotted at a Boulder high school football game. Which is obviously located right here in colorado and was last seen by witnesses looking intoxicated on boulder creek trail her family are begging her friends to come forward with more information after she vanished and was last seen with two older sketchy guys 10 days ago now chloe's parents reported her missing the night that she disappeared but it took police until October 8th, that's right, eight days later, to urge anyone with information about her whereabouts to come forward. The Boulder police have been criticized for branding the uh, teenager as a runaway, despite no indication that she fled her home in the past. Now the Boulder police are saying that uh, she might be in danger, but say that the case doesn't meet the criteria just yet to issue an Amber Alert. Now, officers from the police department also headed up the investigation into the slaying of John Benet Ramsey in 1996, with no one ever being charged in the case despite her death being ruled a homicide. And the Padgett Queen's brother, half-brother John Andrew Ramsey, slammed the Boulder police for showing the same apathy towards Chloe's disappearance as they did his sister's murder, saying, the department just shrugs their shoulders. John Ramsey initially tweeted his anger at the Boulder police for a lack of action in Chloe's case, writing, damn it, Boulder, get off your butt and find this child. Now, since her disappearance, Chloe's parents say that they were shown an ominous photo sent to one of her friends from an anonymous Snapchat account claiming to be their daughter. The image proved that she is alive, but they say she looked injured and unwell and believed it was sent by a third party. Now, on Monday morning, Chloe's parents said they were relieved. Police are finally taking this case seriously, adding that they fear she may have been trafficked and is being held against her will and have received multiple tips that their daughter is currently 600 miles away in Arizona. Her father has said, We wanna make it clear that we don't have any family in Arizona, so this is very suspicious to us. The father also explained that his daughter had been struggling since the pandemic, which made her an easy target for trafficking predators. The father also warned anyone who was linked to her disappearance that they would find them and would not give up searching for Chloe. The anonymous Snapchat is the only communication the family has received from someone they believe is a third party pretending to be their daughter, adding that the profile could be anybody. The name on the account is not one they are familiar with, and it's unclear when they receive the message. Several friends have also apparently received messages from the missing girl with communications on Snapchat vanishing immediately after they are opened. Her parents fear her friends or other young teenagers are keeping information from authorities out of fear for their own safety. Chloe's mother and father have hired a private investigator to look into the whereabouts of their missing daughter. They added that their daughter has several underlying physical and mental health conditions, which she has not been able to take her medication for. In a statement, they said, after 10 days, our beloved 14-year-old daughter, Chloe Campbell, is still missing. While we are grateful that the Boulder Police Department and the news sources are finally taking this case seriously, broadening the call for help, and legitimizing the situation, we remain gravely concerned that she may be being trafficked and is not able to voluntarily come home. We have had no credible communication from Chloe herself in 10 full days, and we believe there are still friends who know more than what they have shared with law enforcement. Her mother added that she may be with other several people who are men or older boys who could be involved with drugs dealing and who may have violent records. Speaking to the press, Chloe's father said that um, Chloe never came home and that they became very concerned. Uh, They started immediately investigating and found that she was last seen with these two older men. Eyewitnesses described her as being with the two older men, too old to be in high school, one of whom was Asian and the other also had a beard. This apparently was around lunchtime at Boulder High and also a football game. These uh, two men are described as being sketchy. Now, they've had multiple tips from various parties claiming that they have knowledge that Chloe is in Arizona and that she is safe and has money and is with family in Arizona. Now, the pushback that uh, the family received from the Boulder High School and the Boulder Police uh, is kind of frustrating as they acted as, hey, it's no big deal, she's just a runaway. And they finally thought that was a little frustrating. Obviously, we'll continue to watch this story. It's always interesting. But a lot of people think that when you send messages via Snapchat, that there's no information that is retained. Not so. So hopefully the police are able to find out where these messages were being sent from and they'll be able to track down uh, the uh, phone that they were being sent from as well. Hopefully this story will have a happy ending. Next on the docket, more arrests in the death of the family in California. The brother of the suspect accused of kidnapping and killing a California family has also been arrested, according to the Merced County Sheriff's Office. In a post uh, from the uh, sheriff, they said that Alberto Salgado, brother of suspect Jesus Manuel Salgado, was arrested uh, Thursday evening. Now, Alberto Salgado is the brother of Jesus Manuel Salgado, who is suspected of kidnapping and murdering Arui Deary, Jasleen Kur, Jasdeep Singh, and Amandeep Singh? Now, Alberto Salgado was arrested for criminal conspiracy, accessory, and destroying evidence. He was booked into the Merced County Jail. Sheriff deputies took suspect Jesus uh, into custody after he tried to kill himself. He was initially unable to talk because he was sedated while undergoing medical treatment at the hospital, but he has since begun answering investigators' questions. Jesus was arrested on four counts of murder and four counts of kidnapping, and um, the family was seen alive on Monday when Jesus was allegedly seen on surveillance footage leading Jasdeep and Amandeep out of the back of Gateway Parking on South Highway 59, which is apparently south of Merced. Jesus allegedly held a gun to the brother, who were both zip-tied as he led them down a back staircase to a pickup truck. He then allegedly led the young mother, holding her baby in her arms, down these steps to a pickup truck. The family was found deceased two days after their kidnapping, when a farm worker found the bodies. Their bodies were discovered in an almond orchard in Dos Palos, which is about 30 miles south of Merced. Investigators are waiting more. thorough reports from the um, coroner uh, showing how, in fact, the baby passed away. Now, uh, Jesus had worked for the Slanes family trucking business as a driver and had a falling out with them after he left the company more than a year ago. Now, the man accused of the kidnapping and murdering um, was seeking revenge after being fired. It was also revealed that the suspect previously held another former employee at gunpoint. Um, about a year ago, after he parted ways with the company, he apparently has sent emails and text messages to the family expressing anger over an apparent disagreement they had and the family's relatives. Now, in 2006, Jesus was convicted of witness intimidation and a residential robbery with a gun enhancement and sentenced to 10 years in prison. He was released on parole on June 21st of 2015. We'll continue to follow this story. As you may recall, the sheriff said there was no way that this was a single person type of incident, that there were multiple people involved and uh, apparently at least one, the brother. We'll see if more arrests follow. Hey, Daryl Brooks, remember that guy? Yeah, the one that's on trial? Well, at least he's taking advice from someone, I hope. That's right. Daryl Brooks, the man charged with murdering six people by ramming his SUV through a Christmas parade, apologized in court this morning for lashing out during his trial. Uh, The uh, self-professed sovereign citizen has been representing himself since firing his public defenders just a few days before his jury selection was to begin. Mr. Brooks said in court, I would like to issue the court an apology for my actions last week during the trial. I want the court to understand it's very emotional right now, not only for just the whole situation of the trial. The families uh, here have to go through everything that's going to be involved with this trial, but also my family and myself. It's very emotional, but not to excuse my actions. I should have carried myself with better respect. I wasn't raised that way. I owe you, your honor, and the court an apology, and I want to stand up as a man and tell the whole court. He stood up and... Your Honor apologize to the bailiffs that I apologize for my actions. He said, like I said, that's not how I was raised. I come from a Christian background. My mother did not raise me that way. She did not raise me to act out out of frustration, irritation, and anger. I just want everybody to know that I apologize for my actions. Brooke continued, and he says he's going to do his best, whatever happens, to conduct himself with respect and respect to the court. And he said he wanted the court to know that the prosecution, judges, and bailiff, clerks, reporters, everybody in the audience, everybody here, he wanted everybody to know that. The judge said that she appreciated that. Understandably so. This is an emotional experience. I think everyone involved, she said, and I appreciate that you, upon reflection, I have realized that courtesy and decorum are an important part of the court proceeding. I agree, and I'm glad Mr. Brooks apologized and hopefully will behave better. You should have never have fired his attorneys. But hey, we'll give him the presumption of innocence, but I think at the end of the day, he will more than likely be convicted of all charges and a lengthy sentence will be imposed. But at least he's going to go down with some dignity. Mr. Brooks is accused of uh, obviously driving through the uh, Christmas parade and killing uh, many individuals uh, where he was allegedly fleeing um, after punching his girlfriend and uh, harassing her. Apparently he's got some impulse control issues. Maybe some anger issues when he gets frustrated and upset. Well, before firing his attorneys last week and acting as his own lawyer, Brooks walked back uh, his plea of not guilty by reason of insanity. He is saving his opening statement for after the uh, prosecution rests their case. Uh, First, representing yourself is the dumbest thing you can do. Uh, I know someone will always say that there was this one case where someone represented themselves and they won. Yes, and that's rare and it's few and far between, and maybe it's like a traffic case or something along those lines. Remember, he who represents himself has a fool for a client. Now, this was a pretty blatant uh, attempt to delay the trial by firing his public defenders, and it was just a, it was desperate. Now, at least he gets to sit in the same courtroom and hasn't been removed for disturbing uh, the proceedings. I would tell him, you are not helping yourself by being disruptive in court, and apparently, I don't know, maybe his mom spoke with him. I don't know if she's around at all, but at least his mother, assuming it's his mother, somebody told him, this is not the way your mother raised you. Don't act like this in public. Just wish he would got that word a little earlier before he ran over multiple people at the parade. Next on the docket, a career criminal. Why some people in prison and that's just not enough to stop them from committing crime. What do you do with this guy? A Georgia inmate serving 14 years in prison for armed robbery allegedly impersonated a billionaire while locked up in the maximum security prison and stole, get this, $11 million using the cash to buy a mansion in Atlanta. Please meet Arthur Lee Cofield Jr. That's right, he's accused of accessing the accounts of Sidney Kimmel, whose entertainment company is behind uh, films such as Crazy Rich Asians and Moneyball, from inside a Georgia prison with the help of a contraband cell phone. Now, Cofield is said to have stolen the identity of the movie mogul, who's worth an estimated $1.5 billion, and then moved an eight-figure sum out of his account to purchase a $4.4 million property. The scheme is believed to amount to one of the largest heists pulled off from inside an American prison. At a previous bond hearing, federal prosecutors also said evidence suggested that Mr. Cofield stole $2.25 million from an account belonging to Nicole Wortham, the wife of Florida billionaire Herbert Wortham. Now, Cofield, Eldridge Bennett, and his daughter Elijah Bennett have all pled not guilty to conspiracy charges to commit bank fraud and money laundering. Cofield obtained multiple means of identification for Sidney Kimmel by using a contraband cell phone and gained access to his Charles Schwab account back in June of 2020. He impersonated the billionaire on the phone to a customer service representative to open a checking account. With access to Kimmel's driving's license, a utility bill, and the help of co-conspirators outside of prison, he could complete the verification process. After obtaining the verification, He purchased 6,106 American Gold Eagle one-ounce coins for nearly $11 million from Money Metals exchanges. He was able to hire a private security team to transport the coins via private plane to Atlanta on June 13th of 2020. By July, Eldridge Bennett and Elijah Bennett found a six-bedroom house in Buckhead and offered the owner $4.4 million to purchase their property, giving approximately 720000 in cash as a down payment. On September 1st, 2020, Eldridge Bennett gave the remaining $3.7 million in cash to the landowner, according to the federal agents, and Cofield reportedly had been transferred to the special management unit after allegedly ordering from inside a Georgia state prison for gang members to gun down one of his romantic rivals in Atlanta. Nice guy. What do you do with this guy? Other than solitary confinement like Supermax, the ADX facility, down in Canyon City, Colorado, this guy is going to commit crime when he gets In prison, he commits crime. When he gets out of prison, he's undoubtedly going to commit crime. At some point, what level do you stop letting people out of prison? Let me know in the comments below. Okay, here's a random act of violence that is just unacceptable, but I can already hear the people saying, but it's okay, they're just kids. So a 25-year-old woman was killed when a pair of teenagers callously blasted more than 100 rounds into the Airbnb where this woman was staying near Fort Worth, Texas in a drive-by shooting. Novita Brazil was killed instantly when two underage gunmen opened fire and the cops say that the suspects likely hit the wrong house and that she was an innocent and uninvolved individual that whatever led to this shooting. She had no involvement whatsoever. The police pursued the shooters, ages. 14 and 15 for over 10 miles in a car chase before they were apprehended. Both have been charged with first degree murder. Three others believed to be involved in the shooting were also arrested. Two also aged 15 and 14 and 17 year old Johnny Bermea. They were charged with deadly conduct with a firearm. Now the sheriff said the boys who carried out the shooting appeared to be completely remorseful after being apprehended. Really? Remorseful, they shoot up the wrong house, kill a completely innocent person, and then go on a 10-mile high-speed chase with the police, and the police say, well, they appear to be remorseful. It's okay, they're just kids. You know how these kids are. Their brain's not fully developed. They don't really know and appreciate what they're doing. Bygones being bygones, I mean, accidents happen. You know, are you kidding me? They appear to be remorseful. They were remorseful that they got caught. That's the only reason why they got any remorse whatsoever. Now, a 41-year-old woman staying in the house with Brazil was wounded in the leg and was treated as in stable condition. Police said the Brazil had been up late working on her laptop when the bullet struck her just after midnight. She was literally just up burning the midnight oil, ladies and gentlemen, doing some work on her computer, and now she's dead because these, oh, they're just kids, they're 14, 15. You know, went out and did this. I, I get it. I've represented many juvenile over the years. Okay, but I'm telling you, when you commit big boy crime, you got to get big boy consequences. Anyway, Miss uh, Brazil was born in Indonesia, and her body will be returned uh, so that the family uh, can can bury her remains. Like I said, they hit the wrong house, and it looks like a 25 year old woman lost her life because of this. And don't give me they're just kids. Next on the docket, our dumb criminal of the day. Wait till you hear this. A fugitive wanted for fraud was busted when she walked into a New Jersey sheriff's office and asked to be hired. That's right. Zima Johnson, a former postal service worker from Jersey City, was on the run for the crime in Monroe County, Pennsylvania, when she applied to work at the Hudson County Sheriff's Office. She sent in the paperwork to be a security guard at the law enforcement agency. She was called into the station under the guise of a job interview and was promptly arrested. And of course, after the alleged foolhardy fraudster was busted for the job interview, the officers found and discovered, allegedly, two stolen credit cards, and she was also hit with some credit card theft charges. She was also wanted on 10 bench warrants for failure to appear in court in Jersey City. Wow. I bet she was going to be a great employee, don't you think? (laughs) Failure to show up. No call, no show. Wow. Great employee. I guess it all kind of works out though, doesn't it? All right. Thanks for watching. Let's go ahead and close the docket for today. Have a wonderful day, not just a great day, and we will see you tomorrow on Crime Talk.